Hello and welcome to Follow Your Bliss, a podcast for big-hearted, deep feelers who want to make a difference in the world. This is your time to get motivation and momentum to do what makes your soul shine. My name is Jessica Flint. I'm a soul strengths business coach and social impact entrepreneur that has helped millions of people improve their life. And I'm here to empower you to become a badass success story because I know it's within you when you stop selling yourself short, stop waiting for the perfect moment, and stop letting the opinions of others drown out your inner voice. It's never too late to create a life you're excited about and love waking up to. I believe we all have unique soul strings that hold the key to unlocking our greatest success and are just begging to be expressed right now in this very moment. Now, this podcast features heart-to-heart conversations with successful authors, entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, experts, and everyday all-stars just like you about their path to greater purpose and soul alignment. It's time to claim your joy, your worth, your highest soul expression, and your feeling of enoughness. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome, my lovely listeners. I'm so happy to be back with you and to introduce you today to a very, very special guest. I'm with a woman who has made a profound impact on my life. Now, I heard her speak on a podcast back in January of 2020, and she was talking about the way that she weaves astrology into her psychoanalytic practice. And I just got this immediate inner knowing that I had to work with her. And it ended up taking me nine months before I actually got to the computer and scheduled our first session. And our work together has been nothing short of magical and full of mind-blowing healing insights ever since. Now, today's honorary guest is a union analyst and authentic movement expert who will open your world to depth psychology, spiritual practices, and living astrology experientially. She's an expert on depression, shadow work, anxiety, creative blocks, eating disorders, and relationships. She has pioneered her own unique approach to union and somatic healing modalities, combined with her background in metaphysics, inspired by her yearly pilgrimages to India. She holds a master's degree from New York University in clinical psychology, a master's in developmental psychology from Pace University, and postgraduate work in psychoanalytic studies from the New School and ISAP in Zurich. She has authored several books and is the mother of Project 40, which allows her writings to continue to get out into the world. And you will be learning more about this today. From her private practices in New York City and San Francisco, now happily devoted to her spiritual life in an ashram in India, it is an absolute honor to have Jungian analyst and astrologer Shireen Vishmaya with us here today. Welcome, Shireen. Uh, Thank you, Jessica. What a beautiful intro. I really appreciate your Gemini. (laughs) Like, so thorough. That's the most comprehensive, thorough, beautiful introduction I've ever heard. So thank you. (laughs) I can make it more concise. It would be Shireen is the coolest, (laughs) period. (laughs) Well, I always love to start off each show talking about the guests, your signature strengths. So these are your soul strengths. And I compiled a list of just a few of the many that you have, and I'm going to read them off one by one. And I just want you, as I read them, just sit with it, allow which ones that feel maybe in your body that are the most alive in you now, and we'll explore why that is. So I have the alchemist, the pilgrim, the dreamer, the therapist, the globetrotter, and the mystic. 
So of these soul strengths, which one, which one feels alive in you right now that you're really bringing out into the world and sharing? Oh, you know, it's like, can you put, if you can put all of those words together, <laughs> I'm not good at choosing. I, I would say at this moment, the mystic, I think it changes moment to moment, but I don't like to call myself a mystic, but the, that's my passion, I guess, mystical teachings, mystical practices, devotional practices, maybe devotee. Can devotee. I put a new word in? Yes, we can make it all one. <laughs> the devotee. Yeah, I feel, yeah, like my, my devotion to, um, to Kali and to, um, and, and just, just to life, just to having more reverence for life. I think that's, that's would be under mysticism. Cause I think mysticism can sound a little bit like that sort of subtle spiritual ego. So I don't want to sound like, yes, I'm so mystical, <laughs> but, but yes, I mean, I feel like, I love mystical teachings, practices. I love alchemy. I love dreaming. I, I love all those things. I think it's so hard for us to just define ourselves by one, one, one archetype. But I, I love, I love the idea of it. I love sitting with all of those, and I, I love that you, um, that you brought those into the conversation right away. Well, I think it's interesting when we can see that there's aspects of ourselves that when we shine, right? That's the whole idea around this. Follow your bliss is how can you really authentically shine in the world is that you attract these people who are interested in these things. Like I'm interested in the mystical and that's where it's like, you're just this moonbeam of mysticism where it's like, tell me more, teach me more. Like, you know, you're doing all this devotional work in India and, and even with your, you know, upcoming program that you're going to be doing, it's, it's essentially weaving all of these aspects in. Yes. The, the I, that's why I love the project forties because it's one, it really feels like it was the one practice in my life in my career that I could bring everything I love together I never thought it was possible until Project 40 was born where it could have everything I love in one place mm. I've often heard you say in because I've done I've, these Project 40s which you guys will hear more about they're just these amazing alchemical 40-day journeys and I've gone on um, two of them I know ones you shared that you like to have like multiple drinks while you while you go to a coffee shop and you have your water and your espresso and your juice. And so that's kind of that idea, right? Like yeah. you want to try it yeah. all and like make all of it part of the experience. Yes, and that, that would define me. Okay, so that if you want to know what really defines me, it's the multiple, but you can call me the multiple beverage queen. That <laughs> <laughs> I always just like visualized you in like a coffee shop in New York with this like table, like full, like all these drinks in your books and your laptop and just... Oh. Yeah, at the moment, I have at least four beverages going <laughs> anytime. Well, today, I really wanted to talk about, you know, this is something that I really, I feel like when I, I came to you for help was an issue that I was having around feeling that the father wound has like not only defined who I am, but is like holding me back in so many ways. And our work together has helped me explore it. I mean, to just ends that I didn't even know existed and, and continue. And so you are coming out with another Project 40, which I want to kind of talk more and more about, but it's going to be focused around healing the father wound. Now, my first question is when we're looking you know, at this concept of healing, so first maybe even taking away the, the father wound, but just healing in general, sometimes I feel like we think there's like, like a means to an end, like you have to be one and done healed. And I'm curious when we are exploring healing, how do you see it as a, as a process or as, as a path? And for someone who's interested in healing their father wound, like what are some expectations or things that they could have around that? Yes. Well, the beauty of Jungian depth work is that there's no defined trajectory for one individual. So 
I would say, first of all, let go of expectation other than you will go deep and you will go deeper into yourself. But there's no external outside comparison. And that's the beauty of it, because the whole purpose, just like spiritual practices, and maybe the crossover with Eastern spirituality and Jungian Western depth psychology is that both are taking you inward and, and to let go of expect Western culture. We have a lot about comparison and quick fix and reaching goals and hitting certain things. And that has its place. But I feel when it comes to the depth work and the, psych, the work on the psyche and the soul, it's so individual and it's so much about turning inward for us to let go of expectation. It's actually the opposite. Expectations can take you out of yourself and out of the moment and out of the magic and out of the mystic, the mysticism as we're speaking, you know, it's expectations are killers. I mean, even I think Western culture is starting to figure that out. Right. <laughs> yeah. So true. Cause sometimes I, I'll think like, I've been working on this for so long, you know, I'm freaking 38 and I'm still like coming across Maybe. these wounds and it's like, what? Like, you know, and then that's when the expectations like, you know, I've put so much time and energy and like growth work into this. And yet here I am with this. Well, it, oh, it does feel like that. You know, that's why I think it's a lot of people don't even have the patience for it because it's not going to give you that kind of quick fix. It's just not, it, you know, and those don't last anyway. That's an illusion. But I feel like having reverence for the process and knowing it's like, it's a lifetime work, all this, this mother father complex, you know, this is not, uh, you know, a, even a, um, you know, it's not a timeline. It's, it's really, and you're a baby in the terms of the bigger mother father complex, you know, you're, you're at the Uranus opposition, right? So you still have the Chiron return. You have, you have so much to look forward to in terms of the evolution of your father wound. <laughs> like, you know, to, to, that's why astrology is so wonderful because it reminds us that it's like, we're not really behind. We might think, oh my God, I'm getting so old, you know, and I, why am I not healed? And, and it's such, it's such a multi-layered, deep, circular spiral going deeper and deeper inward lifetimes. It's not even one lifetime. I mean, in my, in my view, my humble <laughs> spiritual view, I mean, that's maybe not everyone's viewpoint, but if you put that into the equation, if you put lifetimes into the equation, then, you know, it's, it gives you so much reverence and humility about how long, I mean, we sing these songs here in the, in, in the Kali temple where I am about, you know, you've been, wandering and searching for lifetimes you know and it's like we're just trying to wake up to this even joseph campbell who inspired your beautiful podcast title says like we're searching for this eternity this eternal moment really all of these longings even the to, to heal the mother complex the father complex we're, we're projecting the eternal onto that and the eternal is only happening right now right here so it's like we think it's this deep long process and this journey we're never going to get to and yet it's it's already, we're, it's happening right now, right here, you know? So that's the comforting news is that actually you don't have anywhere to get to. <laughs> so you're not behind and you're not, you know, in any way failing, you know, it's just a matter of going deeper and the deeper you go into yourself in this present moment, you will say, oh, you know, everything's okay. I'm in alignment. I'm exactly where I need to be. And what a gift to be alive and doing this work. I'm experiencing those moments more often, like just these moments of wholeness where it's like, yes, this was my past. Yes, I feel that there's like shrapnel still within me, like <laughs> it's like in my heart. But at the same time, I'm like, but I'm whole and I'm I'm okay, even with you know the the pain that can still be there that you know is, is shedding almost. It's like shedding skins 
where the pain yes. can feel so constricted for so many years and direct one's life, life essentially. Yes. No, it's such a beautiful image. You said there's shrapnel in your heart. My God, what a gorgeous, painful. And, and I'm sure many relate to that. I mean, that is like going through life is that too. I mean, it's like we're living with, with both and right. We're living with this feeling that we're even Joseph Campbell, since you, you inspired me to listen to him, knowing I'm coming on the podcast unconsciously, somehow he came back into my, and he, he's definitely like a good father figure yeah. energy, you know, um, about, he says, you know, life is a beautiful symphony, but it hurts. Mm. And we can't avoid then, that. No, we don't want to. Wouldn't it be so beautiful without that? You know, and it would just be like, it'd just be a pop song. <laughs> a one hit wonder. <laughs> Life is done. <laughs> you know, things are getting a little bit out of control in terms of being more and more superficial in the mainstream. I mean, that's one segment of reality. Of course, not everybody's living in that reality, but that, we can certainly see that on the world stage right now. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, more and more there's a, push toward the superficial and moving away from pain, you know, moving away from like short circuiting, like the, all the layers of life, you know, I think we have to be careful about that because things are moving very fast and very, it's like getting more and more superficial somehow. I don't know what's what's happening there. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this veneer and this like fast track to success, but then that doesn't allow you to lay down strong, like foundation or like depth. Like if you're on the fast track to success, it's harder to really get into that, into self, right? That deeper, deeper parts of self, which take stillness, take rest, solitude, introspection. It's harder to really allow that work to be integrated. Absolutely. And it doesn't even allow us to process our experience or to actually um, even digest our experience because we're being constantly bombarded with distractions and it's almost the um, antithesis to what, we, what you were just recommending, which would be actually the medicine for the father wound. I think when I was meditating on your beautiful questions, one of the, about what would heal the father wound, I really feel stillness is one of the, I think the, the most accessible and inaccessible <laughs> options for a medicine to heal. Because I think the highest level of the inner father is that beautiful silence and stillness that we're searching for in our meditation, you know, cause the father is like this still like this rock, right? If you think of like, you want, you want a good father to be like this immovable rock that you can mm-hmm. just build like a, such a deep safety and security and protection in that presence. Right. But what makes that rock? It's that like immovable, still dependable, deep stillness. I mean, that's the beauty of the real divine masculine. Ultimately, it's the stillness, it's the silence. Yeah. It has like this presence, like grounding presence. There's security, reliability, big rocks, not just going to go move and go like to another state. Okay. Bye rock. Um, yeah. It's, it's there. You can count on it essentially. Yes. It's a structure and it has a structure. I was earlier today, I was speaking to my, my union mentor in Zurich. I love him so much and um, such a, so much wisdom. And I was asking him, I thought, you know, what, because, you know, he's from the old days. He even worked with Marie-Louise von Franz. Like, oh, wow. Of that generation. So I said, well, what do you feel is really like the hallmark of the, like the father, like the strong father archetype? And he said, you know, it's structure. He said, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really this, like, it's like this form. And he gave this beautiful, beautiful, he told this beautiful story about how, and this, this is just such a nice way to really illustrate the difference between the inner mother and inner father and how it's so 
in us. It's so wired in us, to, the way we want to connect to the inner father. He said when his daughter was a baby and he would walk with her in his arms, like, you know, when she was trying to sleep, he would walk in the corridor and there, there were pictures of different animals. And she would want him to stop at each picture and like take it in. She was, you know, baby, infant, not even talking yet. But she would make very clear that she wanted to like look, take it in, connect to that image of the animal, the image of the photo with her father. And she would do this every photo that to stop, do the same thing. So it was very clear that's what she wanted. And then he asked his wife, like, you know, did you, um, did she do this with you also? And she said, no, she just wants, like with the mother, she doesn't, um, she's not looking for something external. Like, you know, it's kind of like the father brings out a different energy. With the mother, she just wants to feel warm and contained. And how beautiful is that? It's like, so you can see how our psyche, we need both, mm. you know? Now, when you say maybe some listeners of the show, this may be the first time they're actually even uh, introduced to the word union analysis or depth psychology. So when you talk about this idea of inner mother and father, some people, can you kind of describe how that differs from your actual mother and father, your biological mother and father, and what this work is about in, in accessing the inner father and the inner mother? Sure. Yeah, that's a good point to back up. So obviously we have our biological mother and father. And I think most of us can relate to how when we're very young, we may project something bigger than the typical, like even the attributes of the biological mother and father. We say it's like the great mother, the great father that lives in the archetypal level. Now archetypal level just means kind of this, like a universal symbol, like Plato's, you know, forms like those, the idea, like in every time, every culture, there's this, the great mother, the great father. Right. So from infancy, our psyches are already projecting from internal. This is where the horoscope's amazing too, because we can kind of see how two children in the same family will project a different great mother and great father onto the same two humans. Mm -hmm. Completely different. From so where is that coming from in us, right? What is that archetypal core within us? This is the great mystery. Depends on your philosophical system. I won't go too into that. It's going to get complicated, but we know that we're projecting something greater than the human onto the human. We do it even in our relationships. We project the God and goddess onto our partners, you know, which stems from those earlier projections of the God and goddess onto the parents, the great mother, great father onto the parents. And so it's the whole reconciliation of that, you know, like that projection and how possessed we get from that archetypal core of the projection. Now projection means like something that's inside of us that we may or may not be usually we're not so conscious of it. We may have partial consciousness of it and still project <laughs> that happens. But obviously when we're very young, it's very unconscious and we don't even realize we're doing it, you know, and depending on how good of a hook the parents are, especially for our particular horoscope, like we could say our inner moon, the way we might project the moon in our horoscope onto the mother or the sun or the Saturn energy or the Jupiter energy onto the father, um, how that parent or that parent figure aligns with that or how they what kind of hook you know sometimes it's going to be way off and that's going to be very disappointing and sometimes it may be like wow they really play that out you know and you can kind of see it in the you know how the charts are matched right so anyway based on that you know we develop and also there's so many there's of course attachment theory and there's a lot of other things that go on in this I and mean, this is a whole conversation in itself but for purpose for all intents and purposes of the father conversation let's say that so we have this internal archetypal father, we project it, we, we, we want to see a certain version of our father, suddenly maybe he's absent through work, through divorce, through death, through addiction, whatever it is, what happens to that, this is, I'm giving one example, because it tends to be 
unfortunately the most common now in our in our world. There's a lot of absent fathers. That's it's a very common wound. So you're not alone. And I get so much feedback. I mean, it's more common than not in this day and age for us to have absent father. And even, you know, our parents' parents, it was different. I mean, the, the father was probably working, maybe not through divorce as common as it is now. Now, now it's more divorce as common for addiction, sadly. Back then, maybe also could be addiction, it could be work, it could be um, just, I think the further you go back, it's like there's a more of an emotional disconnect, you know? Every age has its thing. So it's not like there's some golden age where the father, you know, leave it to beaver looks like this great father thing. But, you know, it's not every age has its issues with the father complex. So, you know, I mean, there again, we can talk about this more personally or collectively, but I think for your listeners, probably they're going to be more interested in the personal. So I would say that personal um, discrepancy between what we're hoping to receive from the father and then what actually shows up in our life as that father figure or lack thereof the father figure. So if there's a dead, what Andre Green would call the dead father effect, like the father's just, you know, there, there is no father for that projection because he's absent. He's deeply absent. So we don't have anyone to negotiate that with in a physical form in our lives. And like, we don't have that route, right? What happens then is we will often conjure it through kind of a, a fantasy father. We might project it onto even television fathers, you know, like a lot of people have like, the, like there's like the Little House on the Prairie dad or like there's other sitcom dads that become kind of our, you know, we're going to find a place to find, project it on the dad or a teacher, you know, like could be our math teacher or it could be um, a coach. one of your friends, dads, coaches. Yeah. Especially coaches, you yeah. know, anyone that can feel like a good father energy, like someone who supports and encourages, protects you. So we find other father figures. And we, so, I mean, how to, you know, kind of make this most accessible with Jungian psychology. So I guess what makes Jungian psychology unique is that, it's always looking at how there are these inner figures that show up in our dreams, show up in our, show up in our lives, our dream life, you know, our, our nighttime dreams. And then the beauty of Jungian psychology is that it really looks also at your life itself, like a reflection of your inner world. Like they don't, in, in Jungian psychology, it's not like it's an accident. Everything is the inner and the outer. It's got that Eastern philosophy again, like they're one, you know, as above, so below, but it's also as inner as inside, outside. It's just, a, it's a mirror back to how we're doing. So, I would say with this work with the, the, you know, when, when someone comes into Jungian psychoanalysis for specifically working on the father, we're going to start just like any other psychoanalysis talking about the actual biography, you know, the situation with your biographical father. But then the thing that I think is unique with Jungian psychology is that it will bring in more of the spiritual, the poetry, you know, more focus on the dream work, more focus on the inner life and and it, it won't judge those things. Like it won't say, oh, it's ridiculous that you know, Charles Ingle was like a father figure or whatever, you know, whoever was in this movie or whatever. It will really look at that as like reflections of something internal in you that's important. And maybe and just as important as your actual biological father, because the psyche is just always going to be looking for, you know, there's a, it's, it's, it's your own movie, right? So it's like to really take all of that reflection back in inward you know to take all of this ultimately we're trying to take all of those project recollect all of those projections to become whole within ourselves the thing with Jungian psychology is that the self is moving it's always moving in this gradient toward wholeness it's always it's, it doesn't want us lopsided it doesn't have an agenda for it it doesn't have like a paradigm that everyone's supposed to aspire to other than wholeness that's it but everyone has their own way and again the reason I love bringing the astrology in is because then we actually have this mandala we have this we actually have a, it's like an x-ray, like when you go to a doctor to see the x-ray of what's really going on and maybe how the self is trying to get there to this wholeness, you know, without somebody externally trying to tell you how you should do it 
oh, I, I know how you can get to home. This is how you do it. How would they know? Yeah, that was, that's been the coolest part of working with you is like, it's really taking my unique experiences that have shaped me, but also just my, my unique cosmic blueprint that I have. And then being able to see how, how one, these experiences kind of root into it as, as well. Like you can see how it plays out. I am curious to explore this more like this father figure that is here to protect and guide and create and help us understand the world, right? Just as that little girl wanted to understand the world in front of her with the animals, the father's there to be a guide in in a way to say, Hey, like, this is how you move through the world. Now, when this is injured within us, then what are, what are some things that can happen like with women that you see or men as well, who come into, to your work or just in general, what are ways that we can be off path when we don't have this strong inner father figure constellated within us, maybe due to the dead father effect or the absent father? Yeah. Many things we could um, fall into passivity, a lot of fearfulness, a lot of anxiety, a lot of inertia, depression, kind of giving up, feeling easily defeated. It motivates so much of our behavior. Either we become overly driven, you know, for fame or success in a way that we abandon another part of ourselves, the feminine part of ourselves that can create like, you know, this hyper idealization of our partners, you know, our, our love interests, um, or projected onto a teacher, a guru, male guru, um, or a, um, you know, any kind of father figure, we could get possessed by that, like, you know, thinking it's outside of us, right? It can show up in the form of a lot of times it kind of shows up. I mean, it can, again, there's that creative, you know, there's kind of that poetic creative part of it where it's like this longing, you know, it's like you wake up with this longing and there's, you know, you write about it or there, you know, the, the demon lover, the ghostly lover or the phantom lover or the Sylvia Plath type poetry, like the daddy poem or the Ariel poem of Sylvia Plath is classic dead father effect. There's many wonderful articles written on that. And, you know, so it can really fuel that, um, you know, the, the artist within us especially the tragic art, you know, but I think that the try, we obviously, we don't want to get lost and drowning in the tragedy. Like the art can be the way through where you, you know, you have the outlet, you have the expression and there can be something very poetic about it. And you don't feel like you're negatively possessed. Now the, the danger of the negative possession of the father complex is when we feel we're living with an inner perpetrator. Now this happens less with, not always so much with the dead father. Oh, sorry. I'm still here. It's just power went out as we're talking about the dead father. <laughs> <laughs> father in the dark um it can be also the um like if we have an abusive father you know if uh, the father we have a traumatized our own father was traumatized or suffered abuse and or there was violence that we can in turn suffer from um an abusive relationship with the father there's also that and that can get constellated in a way that is self-destructive and really creates a lot of fear and depression in the psyche and also being very, very hard on ourselves, you know, where we can be just way, way too hard on ourselves because we're living with that inner perpetrator. It's like we constellate that inner perpetrator based on the way the father, either the way the father spoke to us or the energy that was carried in the house, like the atmosphere of the house that we took in with the father's energy. If it felt very dark, if it felt very, you know, foreboding or um, violent, you know, then that can get internalized. There's, there's so many versions. Well, this is the longest my power's ever been out. It's very interesting. <laughs> I, kinda, I enjoy talking to like Shereen in the abyss. I'm like, where is she? Yeah. I hear her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. well, it's good. It's audio. One thing when we, 
when we first started working together, you mentioned a book to me to to start to read, and it was called Wounded Woman, and by Linda Leonard, um, Linda Sharice Leonard, and it was such an amazing uh, book to talk about, like to understand the father wound. And she talked about these two different kind of parts of cells that can come out with both of these archetypes can exist um, usually at different time periods in a woman's development. But one is the armored Amazon, which you kind of talked about where it's like you armor yourself and with perfectionism and, and kind of moving through the world in this way where the career is the most important thing and you're ambitious. And uh, I saw that a lot in me when, I was growing up, you know, with my perfectionism around my grades and my athletics and trying to like move through this world in this very masculine way of achievement. And mm-hmm. then there always can be this part where that falls because you're tired. Like, and at that time, what, where the neglect of the feminine was my, I had an eating disorder. Like that was the feminine being like, help, like, I want to rest. I want to like, yeah. just enjoy life. Like I want to, I want to be able to, to just be, uh, yeah. And then the other aspect she talks about is the puella, uh, which is more of this kind of young trapped child where you just don't feel like you can fulfill yourself in, in the world. Like you can't actually like create something meaningful, like just this almost fleeting, like that there's this young like trapped in a, trapped as a young girl, not being able to fully actualize. Yes. Do you, what do you, yeah, I'm kind of curious to hear more what you see with these different patterns and when someone has an absent father or the dead father effect. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Again, this is where we can see like it, it, why it's so individual, the way people will respond to the absence or to the abuse or to depending, you know, it really, it's it's like like any kind of chemistry, right, between two people, the way we might respond to the father. So on the one hand, you know, the, the ambition, you know, like you could go into, like you said, the armored Amazon. Yes, that's definitely um, quite common, right, to just go into, go so much into that, um, you know, to overcompensate for the masculine in a way. And then the puella is more when we don't want to grow up. And, and they, you know, a lot of times we have like combinations and we can, you know, it's not like just one size fits all, right? It's not just like, okay, you're either a puella or you're an armored Amazon or, you know, often we, depending on what we're going through and maybe even our astrological transits or what's happening in our own psychic development at that time. There's times when we, we may default to feeling like we're just like a helpless little girl. We really want someone to come in and rescue and save us. Or we just feel really trapped in that child, kind of that eternal girl or eternal youth or eternal youth can be masculine or feminine. It can be either that we feel trapped in that um, eternal youth complex. Yes. Like we feel like we didn't grow up because we didn't have the guidance of the father so we don't, we just kind of stay in that perpetual teenage mode and we, we just don't want to take responsibility. And that's also, there's an interesting term that comes through that, which I think a lot of people relate to like the provisional, provisional life. Like things are just never quite good enough and we're kind of wandering. We never really hit, we never feel like we've landed where we feel fulfilled. Mm. We just feel everything's provisional. Like if only like, or when I get to the next thing or like, you know, the someday, the what if, the not quite committing, you know, the deep, deep commitment issues that will come up where you just, you don't quite land. Yeah. I can resonate with that feeling like there, yeah, there's just this unfulfillment to truly like, you know, feel that you actually are worthy and good enough. As simple as that can sound. Big thing. No, that's a big thing because I think when the father's missing, one of the most painful things is that there's a deep, I forgot to mention that. I'm glad you brought that up, Jessica, because there's a really deep insecurity that we 
a lot of, there's a lot of shame around it. People don't want to talk about it. And that's why I think I, even on my project 40 page, I put the Tori Amos song winter because, oh, that'll bring most people to tears. I don't know if you know that. Oh, I've listened to it like 10 times since I even looked at like the meaning of the lyrics yesterday for her. (laughs) Yeah. I cried. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Oh my God. Right. I mean, that's one of my favorite songs for the authentic movement because it just gets right into that wound. And it's like, and the, one of the lyrics is like, when are you going to make up your mind and like, love yourself? Like, it's like kind of this, it's like the inner, the positive inner father talking to us, like, and love ourselves like that. Like we have this, we want to feel so loved and we don't realize how much the other thing with the missing father is that we're, we're perform, or there's like this performative aspect. Like we don't realize like, you know, I became conscious of it actually in my thirties. It was interesting when I was like putting on all these shows, you know, and these dance performances in New York city. And I realized I was always like hoping there was going to be some, I don't know who this person was going to be. That was going to be in the audience. You know, like I would project it on some guy I was dating at the time or something like some guy that was unavailable, of course, like, and then I would always have like one guy that was really available that he would be there like the good father, but I (laughs) have the missing father. It's like, then I was just obsessed about the one that couldn't come and be at the show, you know, because it's like, you're just like reenacting that feeling of like, you want to, you're going to put on this grand performance and, you know, you want this father, some father that's going to be there to like, you know, applaud and then, then everything's going to be okay. You know, like you realize you're kind of doing all of that for this love or approval of some phantom father figure. It's amazing. And you're like, well, who is it? Like, who am I trying to impress? Wow. (laughs) Shereen, that's so crazy. I've had the exact same experience. And I talked about it with someone the other week, like just last week, like every single time I've done something monumental in my life, like valedictorian, my master's, like this huge pitch event where I was like, like anytime I've been on stage for something super meaningful, like that I poured myself into like, da, 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 like, and nobody's in yeah. that, like the guy's never in the audience, like whoever I projected, who was my surrogate father or some type of man that was helping me along the way never showed up. And I was always let down. So in like the greatest moments of achievement, I always felt let down. The, the guy, the man wasn't there to, yep. to witness it. Wow. Yep. So you felt that yeah. too. Oh my God. Yes. And then I finally realized I was like, wow, it's amazing how, I mean, on the one hand, it's, I mean, it can definitely spur you onto greatness. So, I mean, in a way it's kind of a, you know, you, you can like really like without that in a way, like, would we ever really pursue some of the things we pursue, you know, like, it's almost like we need to feel like there's sort of this great father waiting in the wings to like celebrate our amazing creative accomplishments right but if we could realize it's really like something we're trying to connect to in us because that actually is the medicine for the father wound is your and the animus the negative animus is to be working and creating and learning and writing that heals that father wound like when we become interested in pictures like that baby when we are like oh we stop and we pause and we have that wonderment that is actually a great way to connect to the inner father and when we do create it's so healing even if that there isn't that external force is not there to applaud when we get over that then it's like wow it's really amazing because if now this is the thing can we still feel that impetus that inspiration once this is the hard part now this is what happens more in your 50s you get to look forward to this where you have to then find it because you you don't care what people think anymore you're not looking for the external <laughs> validation then you just get lazy because then you're like well who cares? you know <laughs> no it's it's like how do we you know and again you don't want to be driving yourself into constant you know achievement mode either and not enjoying your life but we also you know i think the part of that wants to create wants to feel um like we're leaving some you know we're, we're becoming that divine channel in our lives to leave something to leave beautiful uh, creations in the world we don't want to lose that contact too so it's it's like a refinement of that so 
that goes back to your original, like, when is this work ever going to be done? It's, it's just, it, it goes through so many different um, levels and experiences of, of expression, really. Yeah. Wow. In a way, it's, you know, I feel like this is what we're working with. So it's mm-hmm. like, how can you make the most of it? How can you lean into it? And what I like to kind of say is like, my motto is, I turn emotional wounds into wisdom and wealth. Like how, what is the medicine and, and what, what wisdom and wealth can come from, you know, having had this wound and working with it and knowing that it never fully goes away. Yeah. It's beautiful. I think it, um, you know, a very simple version of the answer to this would be like those memes that go around, like become the person that you always wished your caretaker was or right for yourself, basically. Like you become that for yourself. Easier said than done, of course, but the longer answer would be that, yes, really embracing the commitment. Now, it's the commitment and the consistency in that, in that, sat, that Saturn way, like a little bit, a little bit each day, something where you can become your own rock. You know you can depend on yourself. Like, you know if you say you're going to do something for yourself. Because the thing is, we become a bad father to ourselves if we tell ourselves, hey, we're going to do this thing for ourselves to take care of ourselves, protect ourselves, protect our energy, whatever it is. And then we don't do it. That's like not being a good father to ourselves. And then you don't want to beat yourself up if you're not a good father to yourself, because it's hard to be a good father to ourselves. We didn't have that father that was able to be that constant, consistent presence in our daily life. So it takes practice and it takes starting small. You know, that's why there's so many books about that. Like the small versions, like start small and consistent so that you can build up that dependability with yourself, that reliability with yourself, that consistency and that discipline with yourself. And then you start to, that's where you build the self-love and the self-trust and self-confidence and more security within yourself because you know you can rely on yourself. So that's an ongoing practice, you know. And then the creativity on top of that, I think the best of all possible worlds is when we can show up consistently and be creative, you know, and do what we love doing. You know, that goes to your what you're really supporting your listeners to do, which is so beautiful. You're being actually a really good father to your listeners by showing up consistently and, and giving them a space to, you know, giving them support, giving them tools, giving them resources to, um, to find their place in the world. Right. That's what a good father does. And, and believe in yourself, I think is an important aspect of it too. And, and now your project 40 that you're doing is focused on the father, not first for people who haven't heard of project 40 kind of what, what this entails. Do you mind kind of giving a quick little summary of what is a Project 40 and what can you kind of expect and in this one focused on the father uh, specifically? Sure. No, I'd love to. It's So Project 40s are 40-day, 40 40-night 40 journeys that are lived in real time together. So it's a sacred space that exists, what we call in Jungian psychology, a temenos. It's like you enter a sacred space, just like when you go on a retreat. You know, when you go on a retreat and you know you've got the set time and that already brings the magic in because you know you're, everyone's there for the same intention and you're not in normal time. So I was trying to think of a way, how could we create that in daily life? Because we don't have time to go on a 40-day retreat, like leave our lives and go on it. But why can't we make every day that sacred, that magical? And so it started off as an experiment, but it became, it worked. And I said, my God, even people with really busy lives can have magic in their everyday life. Even if all they do is, so it's, it's email driven. So even if people just open up the email, read about like, now the thing that makes the email special, it's not like people might think, oh, well, I got to get some emails. Who wants to sign up for something like getting more emails? But what it is, is like, it's, it, as you know, it's a very special 
like a magical writing that comes to you that is coming from you in a strange way. Because what's so cool about this process is that I am just channeling the nice thing about having Mercury on my ascendant. I can just kind of channel like what the group, you know, what the group needs. And so everyone's sort of communicating with me when I sit down to write and I'm, I end up inevitably, luckily it's been the magic of this practice. Turns out that people open the email and say, oh my God, it's like you were in my dream last night or you were in my head. I was just thinking about this thing. And so that proves that kind of synchronicity of the group, you know, that magic of the group. And so you get this email and it's going to give you teachings like deeper Jungian teachings that are important for that particular day, day by day, that root us in real time together. It will be about like a lot of the things we're talking about with the father, but in a way you can digest it every day, you know, and live it experientially. So you're, you're getting, first you're reading about it. I always put beautiful images in the emails that come through around that theme or that archetype that we're talking about. It's obviously father stuff. And then you have quotes from other amazing writers that have inspired me along the way that I've just collected over the years, my many years of doing this work. And then uh, for those of you who work with the tarot, I give tarot prompts to deepen your journaling. If you're new to tarot, many people get really into tarot from these P40s and they never picked up a deck. They, it's a great way to learn tarot because you can even if you've got to look it up online, you're going to get some more insights into your journaling. So it's nothing too complicated, but it's just another way to support the journaling for people who feel stumped or stuck with the questions. It's a way to kind of, especially if you're more visual, to kind of get into some of the questions or you can skip that part. The nice thing about these is some people focus on one part of the project and other people get really, some people are like obsessed with the tarot. Some people just want to do the journaling. I often do guided meditation recordings at certain points in the journey. Dreams come up. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, some people have been so busy that um, they only read the email. And I've had feedback that even just doing that, it still works on them. You know, it's amazing. So no matter what, of course, if you put more work into it, you're going to get even more out of it. But even if all you do, even if you only have time to sit down for, you know, 15 minutes, I don't know how long it takes to read the emails, 15 minutes, would you say a day to read them? I'm a slow reader. Um, yeah, about 15 minutes, 20. 20 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes I write a lot more. I try to not overdo, but it, it just depends what comes through. But but yeah, so even if you have that it, and you don't actually sit down to do the journal questions, which you know I recommend doing, but if you can't do that, at least those questions will work on you and you are going to be start, you're going to start to reflect and you can always go back at any time. So a lot of people say, oh, I don't have time for that. or I'm going to be traveling or this or that. But these are things you'll have forever and it will be working on you. And there's no perfect, I always have to say that because in modern life, it's not like anybody's going to have 40 days to just focus on this. I know that's not how life is anymore but you will get a lot out of it. And there's something powerful about the number 40. That's why it's a 40 days. Because if you look up the significance of the number 40, it's like amazing how many magical, transformative, mystical experiences happen during a 40 day duration. It's incredible. I mean, these have been the most transformative experiences. I've done one called the memoir with you and then the other um, shame to shimmer. And I look back at them like the journal, but I I personally like the tarot. Um, and it's just like, wow. I mean, it's it's amazing what comes through. And they go by actually really fast. Not that like time flies, but I, I mean, yeah. I was dedicated every day. And it's just so much came from those experiences. I yeah, just, And like, you, you're right. It really does echo what's going on in your life. Like these, I, I feel like each email is so relevant. And I love your writing too. You're, you're a really great writer. And it's just like easy to read. So I love, oh, yeah, I love the way you write. It was mm-hmm. part of my morning routine. Like I woke up excited to get to each oh. email because each email was getting me closer to myself and understanding myself. And so, yeah, the good that, father. The- yeah. Oh my God. I can't even like, 
I'm just so excited that you chose this theme. I'm like for real, like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, so it starts on June 26th, correct? Mm-hmm. So people can yeah. sign up anytime. Now, can someone get in late or what, uh, if it's past June 26th, what happens I, then? I, I usually leave like maybe a 24 hour kind of grace period, but I really don't like to go beyond, definitely not beyond day two because it's like, we're really kind of in this. And I, I really only do it in exceptional circumstances. If somebody really like, I usually it's, it's rare, but if like, you know, for whatever reason, if somebody finds out about it really late and they really need it, I'll, I'll do it. But I don't recommend missing any of it because it's, it's, it's so important to start on the day one, you know? So I would say really try not to do any later than the 26th. Okay. If it's someone is hearing this after the 26th, then I guess it'd just be to join a future P40 or do you also have archives, right? That at the end of the P40, someone could still enroll yes, in this. Yeah, they could do like what I call the solo journeys. I have a lot of them from the past. Like people who missed the memoir one, if they wanted to work on memoir, they can they can do a solo. I call it a solo journey where they get it and they do it on their own time, which is great. I mean, it's it's a different experience, but it's like for people who want to just do the 40 days anytime when they choose the date, um, that is an option. It takes a while. So this one wouldn't be up. Like, so say you're listening to the podcast and you're like, oh my God, I really want to do this. Like, and it's just like one or two days after you can definitely contact me and I will make an exception for people. And you know, what's so special about these now that I I think about it is that the 40 days does give a container. So there's a start and an end. And I have, you know, when I finish them or I I do it each day, it helps build that inner father that like, I say that I'm going to do this and I'm dedicated and I'm, I'm doing it. And that, you know, consistency and showing up for, for oneself. So there is something so powerful in, in that. That's yes, it really is like a good father that way. It, it does build that. And actually, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to do it was because I felt time was going by too fast. And I was struggling with my own relationship with time. And I didn't like that feeling that 40 days would pass by or months would pass by. And I had all these intentions and I wasn't, I, they were just like, you know, I was, they were, they were like all just in the realm of the someday. And I said, how am I going to break that? You know? we have to have like some kind of a container for it, you know, and it really helps when you have, it's always powerful when you have a group momentum, because you're also what I learned in India, which I think is so beautiful is that when you do something with a group, you are also getting all of the benefit of everyone else's effort. Even if you don't know those people, even if you never talk to them, even if you never show up in my private Facebook group, you still, because you're in the virtue of this, now we know this virtual container, it's still people feel it, mm, right? Yeah. Getting everyone else's efforts, you're getting the, the benefit of that. So cool. I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I just yeah. uh, okay, we're kind of getting to the end. So I do want to wrap it up with some uh, questions here. Now, Shireen, what makes your soul shine? So when do you feel the most alive when you're open to flow state or in your zone of genius? Oh, with my beverages, of course. Um, <laughs> I got all my beverages and I'm in a beautiful space, like in a foreign country. Usually for me, it's like being in a foreign country in a beautiful space, ideally with lots of crows in the background cheering me on with my process. Um, as you know, my magical crows. First. Two crows, Chico and yeah. Charlie. It's so funny yeah. during sessions, they'll like literally come in. <laughs> Be like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They show up all the time. Um, so yes. And writing. I love writing. I really love writing. I love drawing. I love being near the ocean. Those are all my flow states. Mm. Yeah. You do some really cool drawings when you, you share them in some of the P40 emails. They're very, they're very interesting. They're very like abstract and cool. I, I really like them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are. They're really cool. Uh, what are three values you owe your current level of success to? I would say 
trusting, like a surrender, surrender and trusting in the greater power. Number two, living, I really have always lived like it's going to be my last day. Mm -hmm. I really take that message to heart. You know, I don't live, I, I really take that death, that teaching of death very seriously. <laughs> That's a gift of maybe being Scorp lots of Scorpio planets. <laughs> and third, lots of sleep. I believe in really deep sleep. I, you know, I used to think, oh God, what's wrong when I sleep so much? But you know what? And you could also say that value is honoring yourself, like, you know, loving, loving the unique parts of yourself. You know, I think like being true to the quirky, unique parts of myself, I would say is that. And then, so I only asked for three, but can I add one more? Yes. I think, and maybe it goes under one of the other ones is I always, and I, you have this too. And I think it's, it's really important as I wanted to share. It's very Aquarian. Like I'm always trying to think about how I can help somebody else. Like I really like, I, I love helping other people get to what would make them feel so alive, you know, and, and then connecting people, bringing people together in groups or one-on-ones or whatever I love. It's like my 11th house energy. I really love connecting people. And, um, and somehow I think that's all like been part of my, what I built, you know, I think that's been a really big part of my success when that really unfolded that kind of Aquarian side of my North Northern Aquarius, I think, you know, mm. and the moon is there. So. Yeah. Helping others aspire to their goals and, and wishes yeah. and hopes and dreams. You do that. People yeah, come into your sessions like, Hey, this is not working for me, but I really want this. Okay. Yeah. Let me help you get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or just like, I'm thinking like, random people come into my life and I will be like, being like, you need to connect to that person. And it's very nice. The Aquarian side, like even, you know, I still have friends in New York will be like, we realize we all know each other because of you, like somehow becoming like a hub, you know, or like you connect to all these people because you love, you have an interest in all these people and you know, they should all meet and come together. So nice. It's like your beverages, <laughs> yes. like, coffee, meat, tea, tea, meat, water, <laughs> water, meat, sparkling water. <laughs> You're not so different. Oh. <laughs> I love that. What is your North Star? So this is like your big why or your deeper purpose? Self-realization. Mm. Know the self. Yeah. With the capital S. Yes. So how can all of the listeners stay in touch with you? And if they're interested in this upcoming P40, how can they get in or future P40s if they missed this one? Sure. I mean, my website, which is shrewdenvishmaya.com. You can book directly with me on that. There's a calendar on my website, you know, if you want to book one-on-one -on -one sessions with me. For Jungian analysis, though, I, I, I have to fix that on my website, but definitely contact me first, you know, before just booking. Because that one is, it's a little bit of a different process, but like readings and things like that, people can just book with me directly through my website. And then for this P40, I've actually, because I know it's getting rough in the US, so I... I don't know if people had seen the site or whatever, but I've recently added some like financial hardship options. And I have two scholarships left for anybody who's really in dire need of um, really wants to do the work, but also really can't afford it. And so they would just email me. I we can put my contact in the show notes about that. And then, um, yeah, I've got like a payment plan now, which I didn't do in my previous P40s just because I always just kind of kept it simple. I wasn't trying not to do that, but um, I realize it's like essential now with the way everything's going. So I do have that like payment plan and financial hardship option for people. So I don't want anyone to feel discouraged because I really want people, if they want to do the work that they can do it. Cause I think this is a really important work. And um, yes, if they miss this one, for whatever reason, they hear this podcast like way after June 26th and uh, they want to, they have questions about doing previous ones. There's a lot of them, different themes on my website under the solo journey P40s that they can check out. And then what happens is you download it like a book, you know, but mm -hmm. you can do it at your own pace. 
book form, but it has everything in it. So that's nice. And again, you'll have it, you have it forever. You can print it out. You have access to it for life. Yeah. I guess that's the best way to get in contact with me. So um, yeah, we start Sunday, day one, you receive every email first thing in the morning, like you mentioned, and you don't have to have any prior experience. You don't have to have been in therapy even to benefit from it. Of course that helps people come all different levels. You don't even have to even know who Carl Jung is to benefit from it. Um, You will learn regardless. There's a private group also. So you have that support, like international community of people. And then on your website, so I'll I'll link that down in the the show notes in the description for the podcast. Uh, There's also, I'm just going to plug this. You have a really amazing guidebook on the shadows of the unconscious or the shadows of the Zodiac. I like, I can't even tell you how many times I pulled it up. I mean, I even had it open like a couple of days ago. So it's, I feel it's like one of the best out there and I recommend that. And then, um, yeah. I, really well done. Yeah. Your emails aren't like crazy. Like you you have a very sporadic emails and whenever I get them, I'm always excited because there's something cool on the other side of it. So uh, yeah, I think it's worth being connected with you in that way. Oh, for my newsletter list. Yeah. I'm, I'm, if I send something, it's only, I'll only send you something if I can put a lot of time and thought and love into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely uh, always well received on my end. Now, what is one call to action for our listeners to take their next step towards following their bliss? Wow, I really feel it's what comes to me when I hear that question is to just fall to the earth, kiss the earth, and just be grateful for everything you have right at this moment. And when you go into that depth and that reverence of everything you have right now, it's like everything else just open up for you. Mm, Wow. So supported, right? Speaking of the good father, just like, hello, strong earth beneath me. Thank you. Like It's like when I feel like when the masculine in us, you know, like our structure, our physical form, our masculine bows down to mother earth, kisses the earth. And we have that. I mean, I see people in India doing that all the time. It's so genius because it's like that simple ritual. A, it puts you in your body. B, it connects your third eye, which is where all your manifestation magic, everything is going to open to the earth, to the mother earth. You're humble, you're ready to receive, and you're going to connect to your vision that way. And it's such an easy practice. And of course, gratitude, we know, just opens you up for infinite grace if you really do it sincerely, not just as a checklist, but you really, you know, it's more about being in the moment. And it puts you in the moment, which is where, look, I mean, all the spiritual teachers tell us that, right? So that that came to mind. So just that, that, that simple gesture, that simple, but like with anything and like doing it with so much sincerity you know sincerity is another really big one with bliss because if you do anything with half attention or half heartedness you're not gonna have bliss Mm. well i sincerely look forward to going through this p40 with you i can't even like ah so excited and yeah thank you for coming on to the show today and for you know this opportunity to do the p40 so such a pleasure to to be able to to speak with you, Shireen, as always. My pleasure. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you love this episode and know of someone else who is following their bliss, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to me if we can get this cause and message out to as many people as possible. So if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this show with your friends. And I will be forever grateful for your support. And until the next episode, this is Jessica Flint encouraging you to follow your bliss 
and to unapologetically be bold, be brave, and be you.